Hi, I'm Naomi Hallam. I'm the CEO of Million Dollar Vegan, and I'm here today with SoFlow Vegans to talk about the many benefits of going vegan. Welcome back to another episode of the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm your host and founder of SoFlow Vegans, Sean Russell. Before we kick off today's episode, I want to announce some exciting news. We've been working behind the scenes conducting multiple interviews to share with you for both season six and season seven. So stay tuned until the end for a way you can discover who we're going to be having on the podcast. We'll also share how you can listen to these episodes before anyone else. Our guest today is Naomi Hallam, the CEO of Million Dollar Vegan. They are a nonprofit organization that produces impressive campaigns designed to press major leaders to take action. This includes campaigns for both the Pope and a former president. In this episode, we learn all about their organization, how to communicate effectively as an activist, and other helpful tidbits for anyone looking to plant seeds to help people go vegan. Listen out for a spotlight clip featuring a local news network spotlighting our first vegan night market called Veg Night Out. I will also talk more about the event at the end of the show. So remember to share this episode, leave a review, and keep tuning in for future episodes of the SoFlow Vegans podcast. Now, on to our conversation with Naomi Hallam, CEO of Million Dollar Vegan. Hey everybody, welcome to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm Sean Russell, and today we have the CEO of Million Dollar Vegan, Naomi Hallam, joining us on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's great. It's fantastic to be here. And I, you know, SoFlow Vegans is no stranger to the work that Million Dollar Vegan is doing for the vegan community. We first heard about you through the organization Animal Hero Kids. We do a lot of behind the scenes work with them. So, you know, just to see the professionalism, the kind of quality content you put out, it was very inspirational, you know, kind of made us look at our processes to clean it up a little bit. So awesome stuff. And I am excited to let our audience know more about how you guys got started. So we typically do like your vegan origin story, we're going to do two origin stories. One, I want to find out about like your journey, your personal journey. You know, what got you to want to work for an organization such as Million Dollar Vegan? I'm sure there's other things that go along with that. But then also, I want to look at, you know, the origin. Now, how did Million Dollar Vegan come about? How did that get started? So let's get started with you as an individual and talk a little bit about what made you want to advocate for the animals and be a part of this movement? Well, I mean, like most people, I've always been an animal lover, um, always uh, loved, you know, dogs and cats, but I also love farm animals. I grew up in a farming community, so I was always surrounded by sheep and cows in fields. And uh, it only took me until I was maybe 10 years old to start feeling uncomfortable with the fact that these animals I saw in the fields were the same animals that were on my plate. And I just really didn't feel comfortable with eating them. So I told my mom, I want to be a vegetarian. And, you know, classic mom in the 80s, she said, well, if you don't eat meat, you won't get any protein and you won't grow and be healthy. 
so we made a compromise that I would eat fish. Um, and so from the age of 10 until the age of about 30, I was a pescatarian. Uh, was one of those people like most vegans that said I could never be vegan. Um, but maybe the main reason I would say that was because I didn't understand why people were vegan. I didn't understand the cruelty um, that's in the egg and the dairy industries. And uh, I had no idea about the environmental impact of non-vegan diets. So um, it actually took me sitting down and watching the documentary Cowspiracy before all of that started to click into place. And pretty much overnight, I decided to go vegan with my husband. And, uh, you know, that was five years ago. And we've been vegan ever since. And I think as most vegans know, once you uh, start out on that journey. It's something you become extremely passionate about and that most vegans then decide they'd like to dedicate more and more of their time to. So that's how I felt. That's why I wanted to get out of the corporate marketing world that I was in and move into the um, animal advocacy world. And that's kind of how I set myself in the trajectory to working with Million Dollar Vegan. And it's interesting that you have that background, um, that farm background, because lately I've been hearing a lot of people that's part of their origin story that they, you know, were part of that. Because it's interesting, because um, from the stories that I'm hearing, it's a combination of you definitely being connected to the animals and you being, you know, building these relationships, especially as a child, because, you know, maybe some of the other parts are hidden or whatever the situation is. How did that experience impact your methodology in communicating through million dollar vegan or did it did it play a role period with um how you communicate yeah for sure i mean you know uh a lot of my neighbors and family members growing up uh owned farms or worked on farms um and so i know that farmers and meat eaters are not bad people often they're very good people who just don't know that there's another way. So I think that's been something that helped to form uh, the language that Million Dollar Vegan uses. Um, it was one of the reasons why I wanted to be involved with Million Dollar Vegan because it spoke in a language that I was comfortable with. It didn't seek to make anyone feel bad, uh, to shame anybody for you know farming or eating animals. We've always just sent to seek to educate people uh, and be objective and give them the tools they need to make positive changes in their life. Um, and I think, you know, from my experience, that's kind of what's lacking is the education. It's easy once you are vegan to assume that everyone knows what you know, and yet they're choosing to ignore it. And that's really not the case I've found most of the time. Um, it's just that people, farmers, they don't know what else they can do with their lives they feel like they're providing a necessary service to the public they think the public needs meat for health which is untrue but something we've all been taught growing up um, and they don't realize that they could uh, provide food in a more sustainable safer and kinder way by switching to um, organic plant farming which is what we support farmers in doing and what other organizations are very much dedicated to support farmers in doing. So we're here to kind of give people the tools and the education they need to make a transition, right? Uh, we're not here to make, to guilt trip people into going vegan or to criticize or to judge 
um, or to horrify. So that's kind of why our messaging is the way that it is. So this is a good time for us to go into the origin of Million Dollar Vegan. You know, how how did it get started? I'm very curious. Um, well, it was founded by uh, an amazing couple called Matthew Glover and Jane Land. They're in the UK. They are perhaps best known for founding Veganuary, which is the huge um, Go Vegan for January campaign uh, that, that had, I think, uh, over half a million people sign up to it last January. So they were kind of the spearheads of that movement, which is which has had a huge impact on people in the UK. Um, and Matthew and Jane wanted to start something up that would be a little bit more focused on health and the environment, um, a little bit more serious in tone. Uh, and it was kind of designed to be a um, media generator, right? We wanted to get our message outside of the vegan bubble and do campaigns that were very audacious and very newsworthy and that, that mainstream media would write about and talk about um, in order to help get those vegan issues out there to the mainstream public. So that's kind of uh, how Jane, Matthew and Jane came to want a $4 million vegan. And um, they launched in early 2019. And at the time, I was the campaign manager for the US. And we launched in um, several other countries. And we had, you know, managers in each of those countries running the campaign there. And as you'll, you'll know, we, we, we launched that with a mil million dollar challenge to Pope Francis, asking him to fight climate change with diet change by going vegan for the period of Lent. And, and that's interesting. Let's go a little bit into that campaign because that's how, that's the first time that I heard about you because it definitely made the rounds. It was news and noteworthy for a lot of people. And like, how did you guys decide um, to go that route to start with the Pope and um, you know, kind of what were the, what came out as, what happened as a result of that campaign for your organization? Um, well, we wanted to obviously challenge someone um, very famous who had a lot of influence. You know, the, the Catholic Church has a following of about 1.2 billion people. Uh, we also thought the Pope would be a good person to challenge because he does care a lot about climate change. And he has condemned factory farming uh, in his kind of inauguration speech, uh, Laudato say. Um, he talks at length about wanting to combat climate change and wanting to address the cruelty in factory farms. So we thought, well, you know, let's allow him to put his words into actions by giving him a solution to his problems. Let's ask him to go vegan and inspire all of his followers to do the same. And if they do, let's show him how much of a positive impact that could have on the climate and on the animals. So we thought that's why he would be a good person to challenge. Uh, we also knew that in challenging somebody of his caliber, we would generate headlines around the world. And we did. We, we generated um, in that first week, over 700 headlines in mainstream newspapers across 150 different countries. Uh, we were on countless TV shows uh, talking about it. Um, we got the backing of Paul McCartney and Joaquin Phoenix and Woody Harrelson, amongst many others. Um, and to our surprise, even got an invitation for Genesis Butler to go and speak to an aide of the Pope at the Vatican. That's that's fantastic. And it also goes to show, you know, the power of effective communications and being able to put together a campaign and what's possible 
when you are thinking strategically to get the word out and get the message out. And so then let's take us to the next step. So you have this big campaign, but how long was the campaign? Like how, what was from start to finish? Well, we, the whole thing ran for about two months because we, we usually launch um, in a, in advance of about four weeks from when we want the challenge to start mm-hmm. so that we can give them a chance to respond, but also the public chance to kind of learn about why we're challenging them and get involved themselves. So we were asking the Pope to go vegan, but also the public uh, and getting people to sign up ready to start the challenge a month later um, on the first day of Lent. So yeah, about a month lead up. And then uh, the challenge, we were asking people usually to go vegan for between 30 and 40 days to get them started on what we hope will be a lifelong journey. So that then leads us to, so take us to the next step. So you, that campaign's a success. This is the first time you guys are doing it. You see, right. oh, I'm sure you're, as a team, you're excited. Like, okay, what's next? So take us through that process. Well, we, we felt like, okay, we've, we've tackled climate change. We've, we've been very successful in teaching a large volume of people that climate change is driven by what we what we eat by our diets right and then if we want to fight climate change we need to change our diets um the next big issue that we saw the world was facing was uh, you know a health pandemic uh, particularly in the us um where the number one killer is heart disease and um, most instances of heart disease are caused by diet and most instances of heart disease can be completely reversed through diet change so we thought, let's launch a campaign aimed at making America healthy again. Let's challenge the president. Let's get headlines for this campaign. And let's see if we can inspire people across America and around the world to take control of their health and to fight the chronic illnesses that plight them by adopting a healthy plant-based diet. And we, we knew that in order to do that, you know, we needed the support of lots of medical professionals. So we, you know, we garnered all the support of all the, you know, most um, prestigious plant-based doctors out there uh, and we launched that campaign and, and we actually had almost 150,000 Americans sign up to go vegan as a result of it. And it's interesting too the timing of that campaign because this was pre-pandemic correct? Pre-pandemic yeah just a few months pre-pandemic before before everybody knew what anybody knew what was going to happen to the world. And what, did you find that um, that timing to to work in the favor of the message that you're putting out? Like, what? How did that impact? I mean, that had pretty much that campaign had pretty much wrapped up completely by the time the pandemic hit. So we launched that on the first of December um, of 2019, uh, and we were asking everybody to go vegan for January as a result of that uh, to see what it can do for their health so we'd finished that campaign really by the end of January we were planning to do another campaign then and focus on something different um probably you know possibly something to do with the ethics uh of eating animals or um uh, you know the the human violations involved in that industry and then the and then COVID-19 hit and we really felt it wasn't appropriate to run a challenge during a time when, you know, so many people were dying and being affected in a major way by the pandemic. We thought we need to help educate people about where pandemics come from and support them through this difficult time. So that's why we kind of pivoted from doing a million dollar challenge to challenging ourselves to donate one million meals uh, throughout the year 
in support of those suffering um, because of the pandemic. So where does that put you now? I mean, we're definitely still in it. It hasn't gone away. Although when we come to South Florida, it kind of feels mm-hmm. like it has just the way how, how open right. we are. Um, so where, where are you guys now in terms of um, potentially looking at campaigns, um, the you know, campaign you just mentioned of, you know, challenging the, for the meals? Like where, where's Million Dollar Vegan now? Well, we're still in the middle of our um, Take Pandemics Off the Menu campaign. We had earlier this year planned to launch a million dollar challenge this year. Um, uh, We were actually planning to launch one in India, um, targeting a big Bollywood star over there. Uh, We still plan to do that, but due to the escalating crisis um, of COVID-19 in the country, uh, now is not the right time. They actually need uh, more support from us in other ways we feel. So we've made the difficult but um, ethically correct decision, I feel, to postpone that campaign until next year and, and any other million dollar campaigns. Because as you say, you know, some countries are coming out of the pandemic now, thanks to, you know, a great healthcare system and being, being able to be vaccinated should we wish to be. Um, other countries like India, like a lot of Latin American countries and some mainland European countries are still very much in the crisis and, and will be for the foreseeable months. So we are going to continue to do uh, big food giveaways and we're going to try and turn those into educational events where we show um, educational documentaries like Cowspiracy and Seaspiracy and What the Health where we support vegan restaurants and also underserved communities uh, and where we try and educate people about how we can avoid pandemics like this in the future um, by simply changing our diets and shifting to a healthier, safer plant-based food system. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about is your connection to the youth. And for me, my big corners, my pillars that I live by are, you know, living a vegan, compassionate lifestyle, more so living a compassionate lifestyle. And I found that the vegan community is the best archetype for that. And then the other is um, helping children, you know, because they're the future. They get to carry, take on, take the baton once, you know, we're, you know, in retirement age and we just kind of want to, you know, live out of twilight years and wherever we live it. Mm-hmm. So I noticed in a lot of your campaigns, you have, you know, featured, you know, children that are in the vegan community and, and advocating for the movement. So what were, what was the processing behind that? Um, well, you know, children are such an important part of this movement because if this movement of our generation fails, it's the children, their generation that are going to suffer the consequences um, the most profoundly. Uh, you know, if climate change continues, then there will not be a viable planet for our children and their children to live on. Um, there will be more and more uh, food insecurity, more and more extreme weather, um, species loss, uh, the oceans will die, the rainforest will be wiped out. All of these things that animal agriculture drives Um, will happen in their lifetime with devastating consequences. So we, Million Dollar Vegan, and we, (laughs) the adults of today, have a duty of care to our children to lead them with a habitable planet. And the only way we're going to do that is by um, adopting a sustainable food system. 
fishing is no longer sustainable, animal agriculture is no longer sustainable. The only diet that is sustainable, that is healthy and that doesn't drive pandemics and doesn't uh, antagonize climate change is a plant-based diet. So it really is for the children, if not for ourselves, that we should be doing this. And because uh, it's their lives that are gonna be affected, we believe that their voices should be heard. A lot of the times we allow people, uh, uh, children to speak on our videos uh, and to, to adults and get their message out there and plead with those adults to make changes that will benefit them. And sometimes we're accused of, oh, you know, you're using children to spread your message. It's their message. It's their world that we're destroying. They have a right to speak. And we're giving them a platform to do that. Um, and another argument we often get is, you know, oh, you shouldn't be forcing veganism onto children, which is a bit of a weird argument, but one I frequently get because all all parents have to make the choice that they believe is the best choice for their children. Um, as children grow, we cook their meals. We tell them what's right, what's wrong. Uh, we tell them not to kick dogs and cats. We tell them to eat their vegetables. We, we do what is right and what is ethical by our children. Um, so uh, veganism is, is, is a really good choice for children. Um, and if parents, we've learned about the benefits of veganism, we should be, we should be encouraging our children to eat that way and to act with com compassion and to lead sustainable lifestyles. And that goes from food to whatever else they're doing. You know, we should be teaching them to eat more vegetables, to treat animals kindly, not to use plastic, not to throw trash in the ocean, right? All of these things, um, it's beneficial for us to teach our children because it helps them preserve their future. Uh, so to so just say that vegan children are uh, treated badly in some way or we're pushing too much responsibility upon them is, is silly because we've run out of time to do anything else. So, I mean, even just in your talking, and this is kind of going to a point of, a point of conversation, more so a discussion than anything, um, start thinking about how we're communicating and what we're communicating to people who aren't vegan at this present moment. I look back when I wasn't vegan, and um, I have to kind of dig now. <laughs> it's been so, it's been a, a while now. Um, my thought of vegan or vegetarian, I think that was more prominent when, before I was vegan, was that it's difficult. Like mm -hmm. I put it on the same same level as eating healthy. Yeah. No good for you. Like I knew like not killing animals or contributing to killing animals was a good thing. You know, it was never a conversation like, okay, but it was like, if I commit to this, my whole life is going to change. And I have mm -hmm. so much going on right now. I don't care enough about the conversation to make that change. Right. And even if I did, I wouldn't even know where to go. It's like a case of not knowing what you don't know, not knowing what you don't know. Right. <laughs> so, so with those factors and now in the messaging for going vegan, we're talking about making sure your the environment is safe, you know, recycle or whatever that includes, recycling this this, you know, things that they probably have heard since they're in school, minus the veganism. It's making sure that we're not harming animals, you know, eating, you know, eating, wearing, um, you know, supporting the exploitation through me entertainment media. And then you're saying, um, then watching the food that you eat to make sure that it's a whole food plant-based diet and that you're not eating junk food 
like that's that's a I'm just speaking from the pers- I'm playing like the advocate here I don't the devil's advocate here and saying how and I'm this is a question for myself too how do we compartmentalize our segment that but at the same time not lose the importance of all of those things being a big part of how we make this world habitable 20 30 years from now for our children Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's important for everyone to choose their why, because everybody's why is different. And that's why uh, on social media and in our marketing, we target different, we talk about different reasons, right, for going vegan, and we target different types of people with those reasons. So not everybody is interested in healthy diet. And that's fine, you know, um, if, if, if people are not worried about health, not concerned about it, or if they're a kid and they just want an alternative for ice cream to take to a sleepover, then then we're here to tell you how to do that, okay? And, and that's pretty simple. And that's kind of the easiest vegan diet to adopt is, is an unhealthy one, right? Uh, because veganism doesn't indicate what you should eat. It just indicates what you shouldn't eat, which is animal products. So you can live on French fries and Oreos and vegan Ben and Jerry's if you want. <laughs> and that's vegan and, and that's more sustainable uh, and kinder than a uh, meat-based diet. So um, yeah, if, if people want to do that to make the transition, that's fine. If people are interested in changing their health or fitness, um, then that's, that's a different, slightly different conversation. What they need to do is adopt a whole foods plant-based diet um and you know we have plenty of support on our website for people that want to do that as well you know when they come to our website and they say they want to sign up to try veganism they get to tell us what their why is you know if it's the animals then we're going to talk to them more about compassionate choices and and that really doesn't have much to do with health if it's health then it's going to be you know how to cook plant-based and avoid those the ben and jerry's and the, the the beyond burgers right um and, and if it's for the planet, again, it's, you know, some things have more of an impact than others. Nothing has as much impact on the planet in the milk world as dairy milk. Um, but then it's followed by almond milk. So if you really want to um, go for the, the lowest impact milk, you know, then you want to go for something like soy or oat milk. So it, it's a different conversation depending on what your why is if your why is the planet if it's your health or if it's the animals so I would say know what your why is and then that kind of inspires you on your journey and allows you to focus on one thing because if you worry about it not being an animal product but also being healthy but also being good for the planet that's kind of a lot to take on at once so I would say pick a why focus on that one thing until you until you feel comfortable and then you can, you know, make it healthier or make it more sustainable. Uh, and that's what I did. You know, I started knowing that it was kind of for me uh, primarily about the animals. So I wasn't worried about anything as long as it didn't have animal products in. And I was eating a real mixture of things, um, some of which was junk, some of which was healthy. Um, and later on, I became interested in the health side of things. And I, and I moved towards a more whole foods plant-based diet. But, you know, I still... I still eat pizza and burgers at weekends if I want to. Um, so I think, you know, I think everybody's journey looks different and should be different. And yes, it's hard changing any habit. Um, but the first day is the hardest, right? And then after the first day, it always gets a little bit easier. 
And then I would say after a month, which is the length of time MDB supports you for, um, it becomes almost second nature. You know what foods you like, you know where to find them in the supermarket, you know which restaurants have good vegan options, which ones don't, you know what apps to use, what Facebook pages to follow. And it becomes just really, really easy. And for me now, I mean, I, I'm vegan without thinking about it. Um, so, so yeah, it's just uh, about taking that difficult first step and understanding why it is that you want to take that step. I don't know, along those lines for me, what was important was community because I first went vegan in 2008 and a lot of what you said, I found, you know, the foods that I can eat, you know, I started getting into cooking more and, you know, but I did it initially for health reasons. Um, I just was challenging myself and eventually started eliminating things. And then of all places, I went out to LA and didn't know where anything was. I wasn't super huge on fruits and veggies and what have you. Uh, because I wasn't big on fruits and veggies when I wasn't a vegan. And I ended up falling off and didn't come become vegan again until 2013. The reason I'm telling you all this is because um, I realized when I decided to go vegan again, that I get to add community to it, which led to the genesis of SoFlow Vegans. Mm -hmm. So the question I have for you is, what role do you see community playing in the vegan movement and in people adopting a vegan lifestyle? Um, I mean, it's really important to have the support of uh, our vegan community, I think. Um, I was really lucky in that my husband wanted to go vegan with me. So I always had that kind of support system. Um, and, and, and I want people to know there's a support system out there. There's, there's a lot of vegans out there, right? There's a lot of vegan communities. Um, it's just about knowing where to find them. So nowadays, for every city you go to, there's a, a Facebook group um, where that you can join. You know, there's Vegans of LA, there's SoFlo Vegans, right? There's Vegans of Nashville, there's Vegans of North Carolina, you know, and you can join that group and you can say, hey, you know, I'm in town for a week, I'm passing through, where should I eat? Where should I try? What food should I get? Um, and people will help you. There's also uh, the Happy Cow app, which is kind of like um, Uber, right? For vegan restaurants, you just open it up wherever you are and it shows you where all the local vegan restaurants are. It also shows you where all the non-vegan restaurants are that have great vegan offerings. Um, and, uh, you know, there's also apps and Facebook groups, all of which are free, uh, where you can ask questions about health. Uh, you can ask for recommendations on the best vegan cheese that's out there. Um, you know, you can ask what documentaries to watch, what books to read. So there's there's a big vegan community out there. Um, you just kind of have to uh, join Facebook groups, follow different Facebook pages, and not be afraid to ask the questions. Um, I get we get asked the same questions a lot of the time, but we're we're glad we we get asked the questions because then that's one more person that we can help. Um, on their journey. And uh, I think the more questions you can ask and get answers for, the easier it's going to be. So we have a community forum, for example, the Million Dollar Vegan Community Forum on Facebook. We have lots of people in there who are just starting out on a vegan journey and who have lots of questions. And there's others in there that answer them for them and say, hey, you know, I, I went through that challenge or hey, you know, I visited that place or I did that or I messed up that recipe. And, and everyone kind of realizes they're in it together and they can help each other out. 
one of the things that uh, I was speaking to a chef who recently went vegan and they're in the process of trans transitioning their restaurant to be 100% vegan, which for me is like the hugest win when yeah. you have people switching their business completely to vegan. Um, so for, oh, so the point I'm making is one of the things that they mentioned was that they were excited to go vegan because now they can challenge themselves as a chef, as a professional to try to turn their, you know, go-to recipes vegan and then to get the people who are eating the non-vegan version to be just as much in love with this new version as possible. So they're finding that as a challenge. So I just throw that out there for anyone who loves cooking, that that's one of the perks and benefits of going vegan because now you get to play with your recipe over again. Oh yeah, I discovered so many foods and flavors and restaurants that I didn't even know about before I went vegan. And I'm like, wow, we would have never tried this or been here if it wasn't for this vegan journey I'm on. And I'm so glad I did because it's so delicious. Um, so now I just have this new list of favorite restaurants, right? New list of favorite recipes. And when people say to me, oh, you know, but I love tiramisu. I'm like, make a vegan tiramisu. And they're like, oh, I did, it sucked. And I'm like, then you didn't use a good recipe or you need to hone in your skills in the kitchen because... Yeah, my first vegan tiramisu sucked, but then I tried different recipes and now I have a bomb vegan tiramisu and it's better than the dairy one I used to love. And, you know, that's just the way it goes. Um, you just got to try and try again if you don't succeed at first and you'll find there's just anything is possible out there. And the vegan food today is just incredible. And I'd also recommend to anyone listening this, if you have, if you're new, a new vegan or you know someone that's vegan, Veg fest, you know, those are any sort of event where you can try multiple food from different vendors is a good way to see what's possible, um, mm -hmm. especially if you don't have the time to go to a lot of restaurants. And typically you could find a good veg fest, uh, if not directly in your city or town you know, within driving distance, maybe. For typically, yeah. I mean, I forget about those because they've been canceled for last year <laughs> and all of this year in California. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping next year veg fest will resume because they're an amazing way to eat a lot of food in one go and try different things, but definitely wear the stretchy pants if you're going <laughs> to go to a veg fest because you don't want to eat everything. <laughs> so you, you, you brought up a documentary earlier. You mentioned Cowspiracy playing a big role for you. Mm. So, and, and this is, uh, commonly uh, mentioned by people in terms of documentaries. So what were some documentaries that you would recommend um, for someone to watch or maybe recommend to someone that's thinking about going vegan? Um, well, um, yeah, obviously Cowspiracy. Um, I think a lot of people say to me, well, I don't want to watch that because I don't like seeing animal suffering. And it's, uh, despite the name, there's, you know, that's not what it's about. It's actually about um, the environmental impact of animal agriculture. Um, and, the, and it kind of debunks the sustainability myth, this popular myth at the moment that there's kind of um, a sustainable way to farm, right? Uh, there, there really isn't. And it kind of explains why that is and how much hard work lobbyists go uh, do to defend the right of the animal agriculture industry to destroy our planet for the sake of their profits uh, and how much is brushed under the carpet and kept from us as consumers that we ought to know 
um, so that we can make better choices. So yeah, Casperacy really opened my eyes and made me wonder, well, wow, if I didn't know all of this stuff, what else don't I know? Because this is serious stuff. And I wish I'd known this all my life. I believe that we should be taught that stuff in school. I think it's so important, particularly to children, to know how much of a devastating impact on our world animal agriculture is having and how we enable that damage by spending money on those products. So yeah, Cowspiracy blew my mind and made me think, okay, and now I've got to learn the other things I don't know I don't know, right? So there was that one, the sequel, which was released recently, Seaspiracy, is very impactful and will teach you all about how and why sustainable fishing doesn't exist. Um, and then on the health side of things, the game changes is very impactful. If you're someone who considers themselves to be an athlete or interested in fitness or bodybuilding, then the game changes is really a good one for you. Uh, that's obviously all about athletes um, that were able to raise their game by ditching meat and dairy and going vegan. Um, health documentaries like Forks Over Knives and What the Health uh, had a big impact on me. I had no idea that all of these diseases that we think we are fated or genetically prone to getting are actually caused by our diets and can be reversed without pills, just by diet change. Um, and then for those who think they know about what animals go through in factory farms, but really probably don't, um, earthlings and dominion, are two very eye-opening documentaries that expose what most animals in the farming system are going through um, and what we are allowing to happen every time we buy an animal product. So, yeah, just a few there, but most of them are on Netflix. And, and those are all, those commonly come up as suggestions and rightfully so. They're powerful, impactful, and have created so many vegans when they come out. That's one of the things I love when these when these documentaries come out, there's like a good six month window where you have a lot of people. I mean, for me, I speak for myself, I have people sending me, you know, links to these documentaries, you know, because they just discovered and their, you know, their eyes are open and that just yeah. those are the text messages I always love getting. Yeah, and I'm, I bet you're probably like, I've been trying to tell you this for many years, <laughs> but I'm glad you finally been receptive to the information. <laughs> at, at this point, I've just come accustomed to, it's uh, sometimes every, every conversation has its importance. And I look at it as seeds being planted. Mm -hmm. And then every time they're exposed to the same information, it's just water that's growing the seed. And then at a certain point, it breaches the soil. And then that's mm -hmm. when you have that awakening of, but you planting that seed for that first time is, right. is, is crucial, which is why, you know, it's always interesting to have conversations regarding activism and the way that it looks, um, in the way it looks, because the reality is you have a lot of people doing activism differently. Like you, your organization yeah. focuses on the education side of things, but you do have direct action. You do have a lot of different things going on. And for me, um, for me, I see everything playing a role because while the, I may make up that direct action may um, put off people from wanting to become vegan, I see it also, and that's some of the common criticism that I hear. I see it as 
being a motivational factor for people who have been vegan for a while. Because sometimes you need that reminder of why. Because it could just become part of your lifestyle. You stop going to the events, you stop looking at the news, and it's just, I'm just going to eat vegan for the rest of my life. But then you see, you know, you're at the boardwalk and you see a Cuba truth or you see something pop up on your timeline and it moves. Yeah. So I feel like everything has its role and there gets to be a balance in terms of people providing the message differently. So someone might see a, I'm not going to call any organizations out, but you, someone may see something that they may deem as extreme, but then turn around and see a million dollar vegan campaign where it's like, oh, this is actually pretty cute. I love what they're doing. And then because it's almost like that good cop, bad cop sort of situation, yeah. it's like, I don't want to hear that limit, but I do want to hear something. And now they're searching for a message that resonates with them. So I, right. I love I love to see that balance. And I'm saying all this because it's going to bring me to this next point of conversation. And we're going to wind down the podcast looking for that issue that can bring a lot of different stakeholders together. And what are your thoughts on the conversation around factory farming? Because I've personally heard, of course, obviously vegans advocating for, you know, you know eliminating factory farming or, you know, but then I also hear what you would probably think they would be for. I hear a lot of hardcore hunters also talking about you know, factory farming not being, you know, not being sustainable. Some, it needs to, you know, go away and so on and so forth. So I'm saying that because I see that potentially being an issue that if we were to collectively focus on, we could get more traction from vegans and non-vegans to actually see a substantial change. I'm just curious on what your thoughts are on factory farming and that being an issue that could bring us together. Yeah, I 100% agree. So my brother-in-law is a hunter. And, um, it's, you know, it's a family member, so I don't want to have tense, uh, aggressive conversations with that person. I want to find a common ground. And I've often said, um, you know, uh, what bothers me far more than your hunting is factory farming. Um, don't you agree that it's a travesty, uh, and that if people, wouldn't treat an animal that way themselves. They shouldn't be paying someone else to do it. And it's something that he wholeheartedly agrees with me on. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's why I hunt because I don't trust um, where the food in the supermarket has come from. Uh, so we can agree on that. And it's the same with um, people I've met who are from farming families, right? They're like, you know, I love my animals or my uncle who owns a farm loves his animals. And I'll say, well, if that's true, he must have a small scale farm. And they say, yeah. And I say, well, in that case, they must hate factory farming too, because factory farming is pushing farmers out of business because the goal of factory farming is an automated food system in which there are very few people involved and there is lots of machines and lots of animals crammed into big sheds and there's really no farming involved at all. So, you know, even though today the population is way bigger than it was 50 years ago and meat consumption is way bigger, the number of farms has actually fallen massively because we are taking uh, farmers out of the equation and small farms out of the equation. We're rolling everything together into a big automated mega farm um, where animals are treated like commodities 
and where humans, the few humans that are involved in that process are also treated like trash and are suffering as a result. So I think anyone that cares about the environment, human rights, and animal suffering, which is probably everybody, bar a few people, um, small-scale farmers and hunters included, then um, they should all agree that factory farms need to go and they need to go immediately. They're going to be the breeding ground of the next pandemic. That is almost a certainty. Um, so yes, I think that we should all be coming together to get rid of what is a scourge on the history of humanity, and, and that is the factory farm. And, and I'm sure you're you're more on top of kind of like what the community's doing in terms of the campaigns and this things of that nature. Is that happening right now? Is that the temperature of the of the vegan community or the uh, different advocacy groups that are out there? Are they putting an emphasis on factory farming, or do you see an opportunity for that to happen at a, a, a much quicker rate? Yeah, there's um, there's a few organizations out there that are. I mean, you've got uh, the Jiminy Coalition that challenged Kamala Harris to um, go vegan in support of ending factory farming. Uh, we've just recently seen that this petition going around to get Biden to ban factory farms. Um, you've got organizations like Refarmed in Europe who are helping um, beef and dairy farmers transition to organic vegan farming. Uh, and you've got Farm Forward. Uh, in the US, which is working with farmers to um, support them in transitioning and defending themselves against uh, big animal ag conglomerates that want to come in and steal away their animals and put them into factory farms. So I think there is a lot of focus. Um, unfortunately, there's also a lack of focus too. There's people that say, you know, we want all animal farming to end and farmers are the enemy and hunters the enemy. And uh, we shouldn't be tolerating any of that. Um, and I just think, although that's a nice idea, it's not practical. It doesn't help. Um, it doesn't help us to come together and unite and move forward. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to find commonality, not just with farmers and hunters, but with all different social justice movements. I think intersectionality is incredibly important right now because if we can't work together and fight for each other as human beings how can we expect anybody to fight for animals uh so yeah i'm seeing organizations um doing that and we're trying to work with them um we're trying to work with for example non-vegan organizations in north carolina that are um legally supporting um minority communities that are being forced to live next door to incredibly toxic factory farms and have been blocked from suing them. Uh, so we're, you know, we're going along to try and help them and support them with food aid and education, um, even though these are not vegan organizations because, you know, we care about human rights too. And if we support humans who are suffering at the hand of factory farms, um, maybe down the line, some non-vegans will support us in closing factory farms down. Winding down the podcast, I want you to let our listeners, let our viewers know, how can they get involved with Million Dollar Vegan? What do you have going on right now? And what can we look forward to in the future? 
Well, we're doing a few giveaways um, ourselves, but also in partnerships with other community groups and organizations. So if you know of a non-vegan community that could benefit from some nutritious and delicious vegan food, please email us through the website um, and we'd be glad to consider them for one of our food giveaways. Um, They can also really help us by helping to spread the word about why people should consider a vegan diet. And they can do that by sharing our blogs and our social media posts. They can do that by encouraging a friend or a loved one to sign up for our vegan challenge Um, and and by messaging uh, messaging us on social media as well, asking for any help that they need, joining our Facebook group, whatever they need. You know, we've got resources there for free on our website and a whole team of people here to answer anybody's questions and support them in any vegan orientated events that they want to do to help to educate others. And where can they find the website and what are your what are your socials? Uh, it's million, milliondollarvegan.com and we're Million Dollar Vegan on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And the last thing that I'm going to have you do, and I love to hear what our guests have to say, the if you have a message for our community, and this could be a message about Million Dollar Vegan or just something that's on your heart, you know, this is your opportunity to speak directly to our community and share that message with them. Um, I think you touched upon it earlier about being patient with people, realizing that um, everybody is touched by different things and uh, planting a seed is, is, is a great thing to do. Uh, so if you tell somebody something and they don't immediately go vegan because of what you've told them, don't be mad, don't be frustrated, don't be unsupportive. Um, keep planting those seeds because who knows, one day later down the line, that seed could could grow into something hopefully a vegan I mean I think that's what probably happened with me you know I met a vegan when I was at school who I thought was weird but that person taught me what a vegan was and later on I read something in a magazine about a vegan documentary called Cowspiracy and later on I saw that documentary on Netflix and decided to watch it well I would have never known what vegan was and recognized it in that article. And I would have never watched the documentary if I hadn't read that article. So I think it all comes together to form a vegan in the end, if you give it chance uh, and you're patient and you're supportive along the way. And, you know, for me, I think going vegan wasn't a huge challenge because I'm very privileged in that um, I have enough money and access to supermarkets to be able to buy what I want and eat nutritious, uh, delicious plant-based food. Not everybody has access to healthy foods or good supermarkets. um, And not everybody has the education that some of us have. um, And not everybody has the resources or support they need to go vegan. So I think we need to be understanding of that and supportive of people doing whatever they can do even if all they can do is go vegan for one meal a day or one day a week, we need to be supportive of that because if we're not, if we take an all or nothing attitude, then we're going to leave a lot of people behind and that's never going to be good for the animals. Spotlight commencing in five, four, three, two, one. You know, when you think of vegan, a lot of people think, you know, veggies only. Yeah, but it's so much more. It means nothing, nothing came from an animal. There's a vegan street fair coming to town that's full of food, fun, and fashion. And by the way, if you go, here's a tip. Leave the leather shoes at home. They're a no-no. 
time to veg out. There's a festival about to sprout up in Fort Lauderdale's Mass District. Just don't ask where's the beef, because you won't find any. Veg Night Out is the first all-vegan market in South Florida. It features vendors from food, entertainment, clothing. It's about time for veganism to shine. We wanted to showcase the vegan lifestyle. We want people to see that it's fun. You can come out, have a good time, bring your family, and guess what? You don't even have to be vegan. You just come out and have a good time. Vegan vendors will be taking over the streets. Hey! People can expect to have vegan food, listen to some great music, see all of the amazing businesses that are here in Mass District, and connect with people. Come hungry because they're serving up a world of flavor at Veg Night Out. The Caribe Vegan Food Truck is something that is very dear to me. I just wanted it to have Latin dishes, all vegan, you know, just to teach people that you can eat vegan food and still be very flavorful and just have different parts of the island all in one dish. As a, a vegan person, it's kind of hard to, you know, find places that have good vegan food. And if we can bring all the good vegan spots in one spot in one night, it'll be what we've been praying for. Here's their mantra, you won't miss the meat. It's not just for vegans. I think if you're vegan curious, if you wanna just come and have a good time, try something different at night that's free, I think it'll just be an amazing event. See, I, I could totally go vegan, as long as we can still have bread and rice and sugar. <laughs> yeah, but you love tacos. You well, you know, yeah, what, what, what's, what could you put in there? Tofu? I guess, or beans. Or beans, beans. yeah, lots of beans. Yeah. A little beano. <laughs> and a beano, beano. Oh, by the way, we just want to point out that the Vegan Village is actually on Saturday the 17th at 6 p.m. We'd like to thank Naomi Hallam from Million Dollar Vegan once again for being a guest on our show. Be sure to visit their website by going to milliondollarvegan.com. From there, you can learn more about their current campaigns and how to get involved. We also want to invite you to check out our website at soflowvegans.com, where you can check out the show notes of this podcast, listen to past episodes, and so much more. While you're there, consider getting involved with our community by going to soflowvegans.com support. Season six is coming to a close with two episodes remaining. If you would like a sneak peek at some of our upcoming episodes, be sure to become a member on our website. We're gonna be releasing exclusive content and full episodes weeks and even months before they're released to the general public. Registration is free and comes with so many different perks. We're also working on a brand new show that focuses on providing support and encouragement for new vegans. Look for that announcement around the time we launch our brand new season. As you heard in today's spotlight, we hosted a vegan night market called Veg Night Out. I wanna give a huge shout out to our partner, Melissa Guzman from the Caribe Vegan for working together with our organization to make this happen. Also, major thanks to all of the sponsors and vendors that showed their support. Some of them include Hodo Food, Save Lee, Annie's Bread Factory, Pure Honey Magazine, Leaves and Roots Lounge, Campamento Vegano, Bomb Cookies, Seed Food and Wine, Fully Fresh, and of course the list goes on and on. Alini Water Filters, so many to list, but the best way to get all 
all of these amazing vendors and partners is to go to vegnightout.com to check out the list for yourself. And we'll also be announcing the next event really soon. Look for new episodes of the SoFlow Vegans podcast each week and be sure to subscribe, leave a review and share this link with people you know. So until next time, be kind, compassionate, and we'll see you next time.